Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the FanDuel Strategy Show, the Week 17 edition. I'm your host, Matt Gajewski. I'm here with Kyle Dvorak. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. Little bit of a bittersweet feeling in Week 17 here. Our final week of the season with you guys, but it is still live and well for DFS. Kyle, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing well. We are getting closer to knowing what's going on in this slate. Every day that goes on, we actually get a little more actionable news. A lot of teams not playing for anything. A lot of teams literally not playing. So there's a, like maybe one of the more information-heavy slates, literally just like binary, is like, is this guy going to be active or not type question. So that's a, a very different landscape to be playing with, regardless of you know site, price, ownership. Those are just questions we don't normally face. It feels a lot like preseason to me. I know week 17 always kind of has this feel 
But not only are we navigating the normal injuries and pricing, but we're trying to navigate which teams have something left to play for, which teams are resting their starters, maybe even which teams could be resting players for a half and how do we navigate this? And I think it's going to be really crucial for this week 17 slate. Is there anything that's standing out to you right away? I know Kansas City is projected to rest their starters and the other situations that people should be monitoring first and foremost. I think the biggest, like the, the few questions we have is who will be playing for Kansas City? Does their quote starters go as deep as Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman, especially with Sammy Watkins being injured? Like one of those guys, if Sammy Watkins weren't to play in the first round, would be a starting level player. And Clyde Erdslayer also banged up. So do they consider like, like we saw Daryl Williams, he was like getting more work than Le'Veon Bell. So what are they doing with their backfield? We know, we know the main guys are out, but honestly, we still probably have questions going to the, you know, the deeper parts is the is the number one receiver Demarcus Robinson. Is it Michael Hardman or is it all the way down to Byron Pringle with Pittsburgh? We have a similar situation. Just kind of have to wait and find out. Does like a guy like James Washington stay active? Who's they going to be their starting tight end? I think the one that we just won't get answers to and is the most frustrating, but I think is maybe the most exciting for tournaments is Buffalo. We'll get into all of this, but Buffalo really doesn't have much to play for. Pittsburgh likely going to lose. And once Pitts, because they're resting all their starters, once Pittsburgh loses, that puts Buffalo in the two seat. They don't even need to win. So for that reason, we could have them sitting out as early as, uh, you know, the second quarter or not coming out after halftime. They could also, like, these dudes are football players. They're meatheads who just want to go out and play football. They could play four quarters, and it wouldn't shock anyone, even if we think it's like a minus EV decision. So a lot to to consider with them, although, like you and I talking about it, we're never going to come up with the answer. It's just what's the value play of it. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny you call them meatheads. That makes me think of George Kittle coming back with two games left, nothing left to play for. Matthew Stafford refusing to ride the cart last week with an ankle injury. But, I mean, we'd love to see it. I love when George Kittle plays. I'm super happy he's playing on this slate. Another team that's kind of in that same situation is Seattle. There's a very, very slim chance they could squeak out the number one seed, but obviously they would need losses to both New Orleans and Green Bay. So I also think they're similar to Buffalo, where I question how long we'll see Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, especially if the other two games aren't competitive and you see Green Bay and New Orleans really pull away in those contests. But as usual, the FanDuel strategy. So what we like to do here is go position by position and give you an outlook of the slate. We really talk ownership and try to dive into where we can find edges on the particular slate. So we'll start with quarterback, but before we do, hit that thumbs up button, guys. Subscribe to the channel so you know when all of our content goes live. It supports me, it supports Kyle, and it supports everyone at the Awesome platform. So thank you for have already done that. And looking at quarterback, this is typically a fairly spread out position. Of course, we are trying to navigate the Pat Mahomes, the Josh Allen, and the Ben Roethlisberger news. Right now, Ben Roethlisberger not going to play. Pat Mahomes looking unlikely, and Josh Allen, how long? With that said, we still have Josh Allen in the top five most owned quarterbacks. He is narrowly trailing guys like Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson is actually in the top two as well, but we're not really seeing a lot of ownership condensed on one particular player. Right now, Deshaun Watson is the most owned. Are you willing to get to him at nearly 12%? Do you think that's too high? I think that's probably in the ballpark of efficient ownership, maybe even a little uh, too favorable for him, just because I think there are just as equitable like alternatives. So I wouldn't be putting all of my eggs in the Sean Watson basket. I don't think he's a bad play. It's just that I'm not sure if he deserves to be the highest owned quarterback of the slate, but I, I think you could probably at least make a reasonable argument for that is what I'd say. 
I think you're right too. I have some interest in Deshaun Watson in that game, but even with a lot of these players, you know, expected not to even play a full game, I think there's some clear edges we can exploit. Like Russell Wilson as the second most owned quarterback, I think that's probably an easy fade spot for me. And even like Deshaun Watson, by comparison, he's in the game with the highest total on the board at 56 and a half. I know they're projected to trail against Tennessee, but it's not like we've seen Tennessee's defense be the stones either. They're a team that's continually, seemingly so, getting into these shootouts. So that's something I'm certainly interested in. Another quarterback gathering a lot of ownership is Lamar Jackson on FanDuel. Specifically, this is one of the major differences between FanDuel and DraftKings right now. Lamar Jackson's fairly affordable on this platform. And of course, he draws the Cincinnati Bengals. That total is only 40, 44 and a half, but Baltimore is 11 and a half point favorites, putting their team total just shy of 30. Of course, Lamar Jackson can always get it done with his legs. He can do it through the air. How are you approaching him at a reasonable price? Yeah, I think it's just the overall game environment that looks relatively unappealing. And they are a team that I believe they're uh, like all of the teams in the AFC outside of, I believe the Colts are winning their in teams because they have basically all of their spots open and everyone somehow has a lead over the Colts. So if they do get up early, I do think like we've seen in the past, but even more so, they will be a team that is willing to just like the Bills bench their starters once things start getting out of hand. And I know the Bengals have played well as of late, what they knocked off Pittsburgh and Houston. I mean, Pittsburgh, say what you want about them, has been a good team. Houston, and not a very good team. But I do think we can reasonably expect the, the Bengals to get probably beat pretty bad in this game. And at his price, like, I, honestly, I'd probably rather just pivot down to in what I think should be a better game, like Aaron Rodgers for 500 less. I don't think there's, like, a big difference. Obviously, they score in vastly different ways. But in terms of our overall projection, like, I, I think they probably fall in the same ballpark. I can actually pull up our projection right now. We have Rodgers at uh, around about 20 points and Lamar Jackson. Okay, Lamar Jackson actually a bit higher than him at 24. Maybe that's a reasonable argument, but I do think the ownership is something that just uh, like obviously isn't taken into account just by the actual projection. If I think they are close enough to each other, I kind of like the Aaron Rodgers pivot because I think his game environment just looks a lot better for stacking up. I actually agree with that. And I, I don't think it's particularly close with Green Bay. You also have a phenomenal team total, but Green Bay needs to win this game. So unless they just steamroll Chicago, and even if they do steamroll Chicago, you'd like to think Aaron Rodgers had a lot to do with that. They're five and a half point favorites, 52 total over Chicago. Of course, that is an afternoon start. So I'm with you on Aaron Rodgers. And it seems like so far on the slate, Kyle, we're mainly talking about quarterbacks. We're trying to fade reading into the tea leaves here and figuring out which players are actually going to see significant time on the field. So outside of Aaron Rodgers, who are some of the guys you're really targeting at the position that you think will see a full, full workload? And based on the ownership, it seems like those guys are just naturally going to come in fairly contrarian because at the top we have Watson, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. And right now, all of them do carry some level of concern. Yeah, so this one blows my mind. He's low-owned on DraftKings. He's non-existent on FanDuel. Matt Ryan, maybe it's it's not even like a, a price play. Like, I guess, like, sure, $1,000 more, which isn't a ton on FanDuel. You can move up from 7,500 Matt Ryan to, what, 8,500 Aaron Rodgers. Like, I get it. I get why people would be making that pivot. But we have him. I'm not even going to try and count. I'm going to ballpark it like our 15th highest-owned quarterback. And he's in one of, I believe, the three best games, one of the handful of games with over a 50-point total. And both teams in his game are passing at top 10 rates. Matt Ryan, if he was coming in at 5% owned, I'd say that's, you know, 
ballpark close to efficient. We have no one playing this Matt Ryan stack in a game that like as of two weeks ago, I think we, I think it was two weeks ago. These two teams faced off and I believe went for over 300 multiple touchdowns in that game. They have no running game whatsoever. And one of the best receivers in the league in Calvin Ridley, the stacking options are easy. You have like two of them. And then the runbacks are pretty good and low owned as well. So I think this Matt Ryan stack, just in terms of raw ownership, is far below. And they're like easily our biggest advantage in terms of the top stack probability. They're like number three in top stack probability. And uh, no one seems to want to play them. I'm not sure why, but uh, I'll keep buying. Yeah, you don't have to tell me twice. That was honestly Matt Ryan's best game all season. So I certainly have interest in him. And we'll get to this in a second, but his pass catchers also aren't carrying a lot of ownership either, which is something I'm always interested in. So you get... Fairly affordable stacks coming in low owned in a good game environment where Matt Ryan has already proven he could win. Sounds like a pretty strong recipe for success to me. Someone else that I am actually a little bit interested in, and this is a little bit different between DraftKings and FanDuel as well, is Mitch Trubisky. Early in the week, he was carrying a bit of ownership on DraftKings. On FanDuel, that is not the case. Mitch Trubisky comes in at 7,300. He is sub 5% owned. And it's not that Mitch Trubisky has the same ceiling as a guy like Aaron Rodgers on the other side of this game. But if we're paying for a cheap quarterback, first of all, we like the game environment. Chicago still is a fairly high implied total in a 52 total overall. Green Bay has given up quite a bit of production over the course of the year. And Chicago, I mean, they might not be in the playoff race, but these guys are competing for their jobs. And Mitch Trubisky, as far as quarterbacks go, he's certainly competing for his. So I expect them to keep Trubisky in the game the entire time, as long as he doesn't completely tank your lineup and throw like three interceptions in the first three drives. What do you make of him as a contrarian play? So I'll have to double check this. I actually think they are in the playoff race. I think they can get in with a win and a loss on the part of the Rams, I believe. Or maybe it's the maybe it's actually the other way around. Maybe it's the loss on the part of Arizona. I'll have to double check that. But I was watching... Um, the the new nerdy dude from NBC or whatever the Steve who is that it's like Steve I think his name's like Steve Korniak or something but he's he's their um uh playoff odds guy the guy who comes in and says well in this scenario this could happen uh you might recognize it as uh the I think it was called the wheel of destiny in college football it was how do you make like what scenarios can teams get into the playoffs they had uh they can get in I double checked you you're you're right they can get into the playoffs so they need a win that is all. Yeah, that is all. Um, all for me to say that I have even I have more reasons than you do to agree with you because their game environment looks good. He's played well as of late. They're one of the highest pass percentage teams in the league, despite like even David Montgomery playing well. They're still just a team that uh, the reason we think David Montgomery is getting a ton of volume is because his market share numbers are off the charts. It's not because they actually run the football a lot. And again, we talk about the easy stacking options. Uh, you have like two two options like i think almost any stack has to start with Allen robinson it's more of do you go with the double stack or not so i think when you can limit yourself to having like one extra decision to make like it's it's hard to stack the bucks because they have four options like you have one premier option when you stack uh you know one premier option let's talk about medi-cal you have a choice and molina makes it easy especially when it comes to the care you need so let's talk about you about making your life easier about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. And maybe one or two secondary options when you stack someone like Trubisky. So I like that as well, that I just know that if I build a Trubisky stack, my odds of getting one 
you know, the Trubisky part, right? Vastly, vastly increase the other part. And like we said, it's a good game to target. Should be a lot of scoring. They're underdogs, which should keep them throwing, which they already love to do anyways. And now we know that they're uh, actually fighting for something. I agree with all of that. Thank, thank you for all adding all that in there. I, I like Mitch Trubisky a lot this week. I think we've mostly hit on every situation, at least for the super competitive games. Before we change to the running back position, I, I do want to ask you if there's anyone you're interested in for some of these teams that don't have much to play with. So if someone asked in the chat about Andy Dalton, you know, there's just a number of players like Kirk Cousins comes in with some decent ownership. What do you make of sort of quarterbacks in that range? And if you were targeting someone like that, who would you look to? So in terms of quarterbacks who have uh, little to play, like nothing to play for, a lot of quarterbacks have nothing to play for. We have a spot that on both FanDuel and DraftKings makes, I think, a ton of sense. It's Justin Herbert coming in at no ownership. It's not that I think he's in some sort of like smash spot. His game has a pretty meh total, which isn't ideal. Like the, when you look at the, the Green Bay Chicago game, a 51 total, I believe is like top three on the slate. It's a 44 total because they're facing all Kansas City backups. But that also means we have a ton of value in terms of the runbacks. If we can solidify who it is, if it's Demarcus Robinson as the number one receiver, sure, his quarterback's Chad Henney, but he's going to get peppered with targets. And then on the Justin Herbert side of things, he, yeah, sure, he's probably, you know, maybe a bit overpriced in the context of his game not being awfully exciting, but all of his pass catchers are going to be cheap, whether you go with, like, if he ends up playing Donald Parham as a cheap tight end, Mike Williams saw, I believe, double-digit targets last week as the number one receiver, and Keenan Allen is not expected to play in this game. So although you end up overpaying, I, I think it's it's a bit of an overpay when you look at the alternatives, maybe a little bit for someone like Justin Herbert. At the end of the day, you are still saving a ton of money by stacking up this game. And I think that more than accounts for the fact that the total is just middling. Because when we look at high totals, we're saying, oh, well, you know, is is the Ravens total worth the price I have to pay on a Lamar Jackson stack? I think their game total says maybe, maybe not. I think the price I have to pay or I get to pay because it's so cheap on a Chargers plus a run back stack is actually worth it, even if you consider the, the meh total. I think that makes a lot of sense. And we'll go over to the running back position right now. But before we do so, you can help celebrate 21, 2021 with an Osmo Plus membership. You get 21 days of Osmo Plus for only $20 when you use promo code 2021 at checkout. This gives you access to everything Osmo Plus has to offer, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, and much more. But there's also more on top of that. If you love Osmo and you're looking to commit for a longer term, we're giving 20% off an Osmo plus yearly platinum pass with promo code happy. That's H A P P Y. This will be your only discount on a yearly pass all year. So don't miss it. Both phenomenal offers for everything we have going on, all sorts of premium content at Osmo, and it's always improving, getting better. So make sure you check that out at the running back position. Kyle, we had big bombshell news yesterday with Dalvin cook missing the week. So Dalvin cook season is over and this has big ramifications across all DFS platforms. Obviously, Dalvin Cook being one of the more expensive running backs, because it was a 15-game slate, we were seeing ownership pretty flat at that running back position between the very expensive guys like Kamara, Derrick Henry. But now, without Dalvin Cook, we've seen ownership shaken up a lot. And not only is ownership condensing on guys like Alvin Kamara in that expensive range, but we also have backup Alexander Madison right now pacing the slate with 30.6% ownership. Of course, Madison, he's been banged up himself, so we need to make sure he plays. But if, if active, it looks like he will gather a ton of ownership on this slate. How are you handling the Dalvin Cook-Alexander-Madison news? 
So I, I was a little bit concerned that we wouldn't see Madison because he was in concussion protocol, but he practiced on a limited basis on Wednesday. It seems like he's more than ready to go. And at 30%, you think that's an incredible amount of ownership. That is something we see on these like short 10 game slates when there's a good play, let alone a slate with fit, like tons of opportunity costs. You can go so many places, but it's his cost. I mean, Pantool left him, left him. They didn't know this is going to happen, but a backup running back at 5K enters the starting role. He should see, uh, We, I think in any other week, maybe you could argue that they're going to test out their backups a little bit. But in any other week, we would say he's going to see 80 plus percent of the Dalvin Cook role. And even if you want to argue he's a lesser back than Dalvin Cook, it simply doesn't matter. At that, at that volume level, he's a guy who should be 8K plus on Vandal. And I think it's the, the argument we always face with someone like the Jamal Williams chalk week or the Mike Davis chalk week, even Taysom Hill at tight end. It's, of course, he's going to be popular, but where does efficient ownership lie? And at his price, and given his team total, which it's tough to find right now because we don't know Stafford is going to play, so you're not going to find this line like live anywhere. But the last I found it at was 30 and a half implied team total. They were touchdown favorites. I'm not even sure if that factors in Chase Daniel playing, but even if it does, touchdown favorites, massive team total. I mean, I think at 5,000, he's kind of just a lock button play. And you say, if, you know, if he doesn't hit, the people who fade him win. If he does hit, which I think his odds are probably greater than 30% given his cost, I'm going to have a bunch of really good lineups. Yeah, I, I think so too. This reminds me of, you mentioned it, the Jamal Williams, Mike Davis situation earlier this year. And I think the best way to approach this is think about your particular contest. If you are in small field, likely ownership will not be efficient. In those contests earlier this season, we saw Jamal Williams, Mike Davis, only around 30% ownership. If you went up to high dollar stuff, those same running backs were around 70% owned. So think about the field you're in. If you were in low dollar stuff, it is probably the case that those guys might not be as highly owned. Raymond in the chat says, don't be surprised if the Vikings use all three backs. And this is one concern I have. It's not a huge one. They drafted Madison with some pretty serious draft capital. So I think if he's fine, he'll get full run. But if Madison's out for whatever reason, or if they get up in this game by a significant amount, I do think we see some Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone as well. So I guess just a slight concern, but nothing too crazy. Outside of Alexander Madison, we have the expensive backs. And on FanDuel, out of these players, Alvin Kamara is still drawing the most ownership at 21%. That is because he did not get priced up as much as DraftKings did, you know, he's 9,400 on FanDuel. Derek Henry's 10.2K. You see those prices flipped on DraftKings specifically. So on FanDuel specifically, it looks like Alvin Kamara is going to have significantly more ownership. Are you fine with that for Kamara in the spot? Again, if Green Bay wins their game, the Saints cannot improve their draft status. So, or excuse me, their, their playoff status. So I'm really concerned about Kamara from an overall ceiling perspective at 9,400, if that makes sense. How are you viewing the situation? Yeah, I think the the problem with someone like uh, Kamara for me is that I, I think he's, in terms of his projection, should be essentially no different. I think we actually have a slightly higher projection for Derrick Henry, likely because he faces a, even like a worse defense, uh, like a terrible defense in Houston that got run over by like Samaj P. Ryan. He's a massive favorite, has a higher implied team total. 
And he's not that much more expensive. They're in the same ballpark as each other, but one of them is going to be seven, eight percent less owned, and that's obviously Derrick Henry. And like, I, I don't love playing Derrick Henry. I think he is one of of the expensive elite backs. Typically comes in as one of the more fragile guys. But then you adjust for the fact that, well, it's FanDuel. The scoring format doesn't as much favor someone like Alvin Kamara as it does on DraftKings. The ownership, the middling difference in price, and our projection also telling us that we expect Derrick Henry to simply score more points in the median. I'm probably just pivoting down in ownership up in price a little bit to Derrick Henry when we get him significantly less owned than Kamara. If these two guys were perfectly like evenly split ownership-wise, I'd consider going with just the cheaper guy. But I do think because we see ownership generally coalescing around Alvin Kamara instead of Derrick Henry, like we've got the salary to get up to Derrick Henry. This seems like the perfect spot. I, I, I kind of prefer Henry, especially because of the ownership. Yeah, and I mean... Right now, it doesn't seem like we're going to have too much, like you mentioned, getting up to Derrick Henry, especially if you're playing someone like Alexander Madison. He's basically the avenue to getting up to one of these expensive backs. And as of recording this right now on Thursday, it seems like the preference going to Camara with that same construction is going to at least be what the field is doing right now. So Derrick Henry, I think, will still give you some leverage with that construction as well. And if you want to talk matchup, they're favored by seven and a half points in a 56 and a half total. The matchup against Houston's terrible run defense is just fantastic for Derrick Henry. Houston's allowing a league leading 5.0 yards per attempt on average to opposing backs. So I think this does set up for Derrick Henry as well. Obviously there's the concerns with overall pass game volume, but it doesn't look like that's going to be a huge issue here. Outside of Kamara and Derrick Henry, we start to get into some mid-price mid range backs. Jonathan Taylor is kind of on an island by himself at 8,400 in the top three as far as ownership goes. I don't really see a lot of clear pivots, at least near the top. If you're looking for contrarian plays, you'll have other players like Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, and Nick Chubb in the same price range. But as far as the highly owned plays, Nick Chubb is kind of on an island in this 8.5-ish price range. Of course, he's facing Jacksonville, and I think that's why we see him coming in with high ownership on this slate. Are you comfortable eating his ownership at 19%? Yeah, I think it's fine, especially if you end up going with um, more. Like if you faded both Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara in your Alexander Madison lineups, I think you're okay going with the, the chalky Jonathan Taylor because I would imagine the most popular combination of running backs is going to be Madison plus Kamara and then probably Madison plus Henry because he gets you up there. So maybe you gain a slight advantage in that you knock off about $2,000 in your running back combination by going from Henry to Taylor and you get maybe a, a more unique build specifically just the way your lineup comes out. I do think though, like, his ownership seems probably the closest to efficient out of all of these guys. I think Alvin Kamara may be over-owned relative to Derrick Henry, Alexander Madison under-owned. I think Taylor, you know, almost a fifth of the field owning him seems about right. It's a great spot, but he's priced up. And uh, like he projects probably similarly, like it's the same kind of spot. He's not a crazy good pass catcher, but he's not, uh, you know, he's not quite as expensive as Derrick Henry. His team doesn't quite have the same implied team total. Big favorites, bad defense. It's all the same arguments we make for Derrick Henry, just at cheaper but more owned. So I think efficient is what I'd call him. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't really see a strong case for fading any of these players based on ownership alone. Like Jonathan Taylor at 19%, that's not egregious. Even yeah. Alvin Kamara at 21%, like that's not egregious either. It's just the fact that Derrick Henry, in, in the case of Kamara, is the same price essentially, just a little bit more expensive. And he comes in with 7% less ownership. But honestly, if you want to play any of them, I don't have a strong argument against it. Outside of Kamara, Henry, and now Jonathan Taylor, this is where we start to get into this punt range. 
And, you know, prior to the show, Alexander Madison wasn't exactly like in this range, but now that Dalvin Cook is out, he clearly stands out. But if you're punting two running backs, it looks like Miles Gaskin is another one who will draw a little bit of ownership. Jeff Wilson is in the same conversation. I want to ask a roster construction question first. Are you willing to take two punts at the running back position? And if so, who are you looking at outside of Madison? Yeah, so outside, I first of all, yes, I am because I think it's going to give you a really interesting roster of like roster construction as a whole. It opens you up to things that I think, like based on our ownership, the field is just not going to have. Like, I think we're going to see probably an under owned Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers stack. We have them as like a great top stack probability. Shouldn't be surprising. Both players are playing as one of the best receivers in the past decade, and Aaron Rodgers seeming like he's closing out an MVP season. And I don't think they're going to be very popular. And it's a game, not only on the Packers side, but on the Bears side. As the underdog, they still have a solid implied team total. I think you're going to see not nearly efficient stack ownership on them because the way to get to them is is fading a Kamara and, and probably Derrick Henry. It's probably difficult to play all of those guys together. So I think you get into a very unique build and you don't sacrifice, like playing Devontae Adams isn't a bad thing. Playing him over Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry, I don't have any problems with. So I think if you punt off, my preferred play would be someone like Miles Gaskin, who I think should see very similar volume to someone like DeAndre Swift, but he's cheaper and their ownership is within about a you know percent and a half of each other. I would take the Miles Gaskin side of that bet almost every day of the week. You know, I Jeff Wilson versus DeAndre Swift, they're both underdogs to defenses that don't scare me, except one of them, a handful of percentage points less owned and way cheaper. You save 1,200 by going from Swift to Jeff Wilson. Even like David Johnson, slightly cheaper, going to see less ownership. I think maybe Swift is the first player that I come up on that I, I kind of am surprised by how popular he's going to be. Like, I, I don't get why people are taking over like almost always taking him over David Johnson, you know, Jeff Wilson, Austin Eckler, a little more, ex- barely Austin Eckler's barely more expensive. So I, I don't know. I, I think his ownership is the first one that I come along that I'm saying, well, if I'm moving down into this price range, like that six to mid seven K range, there are many better options. I think miles Gaskin, similar ownership, you know, Jeff Wilson and David Johnson at well less ownership. And even if you want to go all the way down to like some weird grimy stuff, like there are your like Ty Johnson's and Malcolm Brown's available as well. I like you're getting down to the real grimy stuff. I was, I was going to ask you about pivots coming up next and it seems like you have a few in mind. So talk to me about these Malcolm. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brown, Ty Johnson characters. Kyle, let me have it. Who are you looking at as far as low-owned leverage? So I do think Ty Johnson, if you wanted to fade Alexander Madison, I think Ty Johnson would be the way to do it. I honestly think the best way to to approach this would not be to fade Alexander Madison. It would be to pair him up with another cheap running back. 
I think Ty Johnson's my favorite. We saw a handful of weeks ago when Frank Gore got banged up in a game. He saw 22 carries, a handful of targets. Now they're without LaMichael Pirine and Frank Gore. And for once, well, I guess maybe we should have, should have, as if this was predictable. For once, it seems like they might actually not be losing, although that's happened multiple times now that they haven't been losing. But it seems like this one, predictably, we can say that they won't be getting killed. They're like field goal underdogs to the, to the Patriots. If you're going to get every single backfield touch at 5,000, it's the Alexander Madison argument, but on a worse offense. But he's also coming in way lower owned. So it seems like that has been accounted for. And I think I'm fine going with two cheap running backs and just jamming in all the studs at receiver. I actually like that approach too. And I, it seems to me that it'll be at least a little bit contrarian. And I, I think there's a number of options you could look at down in this range. I mean, a couple of other players, just to throw some names out there, there's Dari Gumbawale. He saw a pretty sizable workload last week. I, I still think there are concerns with his workload overall being a small sample size. We need to wait on the status of Cam Akers. He didn't practice yesterday, so I think his status, if he's active, it doesn't seem like he will be, but he could be a decent look in GPPs as well. But overall, I think we hit on most players. I'll be waiting to see the status of the, the Chiefs backs, who they plan on using. Yeah. Is there anything else you think we haven't hit on at the running back position? I'll throw this your wakes. I, I don't really think it's a spot I want to go to. Rodney Smith looks like he'll be the starter for the, the Panthers, but it's sort of the Dari Agunbowale thing where we just don't have enough of a sample to say that I know who's going to be playing. Like, I don't know if like... The, the Jets might not have like another running back with carries on their roster. Whereas we saw like at least Divino Zigbo was a guy who was actually projected to take on a significant role early in the season. If he came out and saw nine carries to, to Daria Agumbawale's 10, would that shock me? Not really. And the same thing with like a Rodney Smith, with, like Alex Armour, their, I think he's their fullback technically logs like four targets and six carries and ruins your Rodney Smith day. I think that's very possible. I think Ty Johnson and Alexander Madison are the running backs at this price range that are the most likely to dominate work. And if Malcolm Brown uh, ends up being the starter because Akers and Henderson are out, he fills that same bill where I don't know if they have a backup who isn't have, even has a carry on the season. So we can say pretty reasonably he will be the like number one, two and three back. I don't think I can say the same thing as confidently about Dari, about Rodney Smith. Any, any interest in a Rodney Smith? I, I think he's a guy who I'm much like I'm fine writing off in favor of Ty Johnson. I am too, man. Like week 17 is so crazy. It's so fun. Uh, everyone in the chat, throw your favorite running back in this range. Let us know who you guys are targeting among, you know, your preseason practice squad level players would absolutely love to hear it. It's, it's crazy to hear the name Rodney Smith and all the, some of these are like Daria Goombawale. I can't believe we're considering them in the state of 20. You know who weeks. Rodney Smith is. Yeah. He went to Minnesota. I assumed you would know because I always thought he was Rod Smith, the backup for uh, Dallas until I think you actually told me this before. He's a, uh, he's like a David Cobb type, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's not quite as much of a grinder as David Cobb. Okay. He's uh, he's similar. Yeah. But uh, before we move on to the wide receiver position, I want to tell you guys about all of our Osmo socials. You can keep up with everything in sports and DFS. All you have to do is follow us at Osmo underscore com. That's our Twitter handle. We also have Instagram and Facebook. You can chat out our, check out our sports specific Twitter handles too. This is one way to take advantage of our weekly giveaways. So you might as well give a follow now. I know week 17, we don't have Thursday night football to do a giveaway tonight, but there's giveaways, a lot of Island games. There's, all sorts of giveaways for all sorts of sports. So check us out on Twitter. It's at Osmo underscore com. At the wide receiver position, we need to start with Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams coming in just 24% owned. Personally, this is one of my favorite spots to target in all of DFS. I think you are getting 
an enormous workload from Devontae Adams. And I still think there's a little bit of this, this fear at the wide receiver position, just the nature that it is a little more volatile. So people are still more likely to pay up for Kamara, for Derrick Henry. But I think in the nature of today's NFL, that actually might not be the case anymore. And we're seeing players like Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas, even last year as an example. Their workload is just so high that they are essentially – as bust proof as a player like Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry. And then you start to factor in, you know, Derrick Henry is limited as a receiver. I think there's an argument that Devonta Adams might be even more bust proof than some of these running backs. What are you doing with him at 24%? Yeah, I think you hit it perfectly that uh, people, when they pay up, they typically want to pay up for certainty. And we've talked about DFS in a long time. Well, you fade the chalky receivers because receivers are volatile and you buy the chalky running backs because running backs are predictable. And while even this year, I still believe that is probably more true than it is not true. You have to look at the the outliers to that rule. And you cited, I, I think, probably the most obvious one in recent memory was Michael Thomas last year. When you see that level of target volume, like, the reason we think receivers are volatile is because receivers that average 12 targets a game don't exist. And the receivers that complete them at such a high rate that are used as like the goal line weapon, where instead of running Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon at the one yard line, they throw fades to, to Devontae Adams. Those players hardly ever existed. But now that we have one or two of them, we have to adjust our process. I completely agree that Devontae Adams, we should view him in terms of his volatility more like we view a Derrick Henry. We're sure Devontae Adams doesn't score. It's probably not a great game. You probably don't get a ton of value from him. But we make that same argument with Derrick Henry every week, and some weeks he comes in at 30% ownership. So I still think I'm completely in agreement with you. This probably isn't efficient ownership for Devontae Adams. I think you're fine pushing it up to that like 30-plus percent, similar to an Alexander Madison. I think that is the approach I'm going to be taking. As far as if you talked about efficient ownership for a second there, on Devontae Adams, I certainly do not think it is 24%. And we'll have to see how this evolves throughout the week. But right now, Devontae Adams, in a competitive game for Green Bay, it's looking like he's going to be one of my most owned players. He has at least nine targets in every single healthy game this year. The dude is just an absolute monster when healthy. Behind him, we do have another expensive wide receiver in the top five most owned. It is Calvin Ridley. And we talked about Ridley a little bit when we spoke on Matt Ryan. But I just want to highlight here at the wide receiver position, Devontae Adams is 24%. And we were just explaining that might not be high enough. Well, the second most owned receiver comes in at 17%. That's Justin Jefferson. Behind him, Calvin Ridley third at 15%. With ownership being so spread, even though Calvin Ridley is the third most owned wide receiver, he's another player I'm confident if I'm playing Matt Ryan, I can take a stand on Ryan to Ridley and still feel fine about my lineup. I don't think you are holding hands with the rest of the field to put it in a weird way. I think you can certainly play Calvin Ridley. And if you want to get even more contrarian, you can tie him to Russell Gage as well, like a Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage stack. And you're more than contrarian enough for a tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. It's that uh, it's like you said, we're seeing short sure, Calvin Ridley is going to be popular top three owned the position, although it's spread out, as you said. So 16% isn't a ton. I'd be a little more concerned if it were Calvin Ridley at 16% and Matt Ryan at 9%. Then I would say, well, I still have a lot of different ways where I have to find myself building a unique lineup. No one is playing Matt Ryan this week. For whatever reason, Calvin Ridley is coming in as a, a one-off play or as the run back to a Tom Brady stack or just to a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, et cetera. It doesn't seem like people want to stack up this game. And I think it is one of the two or three best game environments as a whole to be playing. So I think for a lot of my Calvin Ridley, it will come specifically with Matt Ryan or if I have like Brady lineups, which I don't think I will. But if I had some Brady lineups, I think he's the obvious run back. I think it's that it's that he's sure. 
high owned, but not in the way that I want to own them. I want to own them in Ryan stacks. I want to own them in game stacks and no one seems to be playing that way with me. So I think although sure ownership is high, it's probably not high enough in the ways that I think it should be. I agree with that 100%. And just scrolling through the rest of the highly owned receivers, I mean, Justin Jefferson is up here. I, I think he makes a lot of sense just for his role in Minnesota right now. Going against Detroit, too, you're going to have access to a high implied team total. Again, you mentioned this earlier. We don't know what it will be with the status of Matthew Stafford. Still waiting to be determined. Allen Robinson comes in with high ownership. We also hit on him a little bit. Just the fact that the targets are so condensed in Chicago, and that is a very competitive game for both teams. I think we see Allen Robinson with a fair amount of targets. And then Brandon Cooks rounds out this. He is the least expensive of the top five most owned receivers, but still 7,300 going against a Tennessee defense, which has given up a ton of production. I think all of them make sense. And I'm honestly, for probably the first time all season, comfortable playing any of them in stacks because none of the ownership is too high. Is that how you feel about the top of this position? And then we'll look to some pivots afterwards. Yeah, I think it's generally the mid-tier of ownership that looks to be what I'll call inefficient where I'll be making my fades. Like it's this six to like 12% range that I think anyone, like there are a lot of 4% players that I think if you told me they were 12% owned, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm fine playing some of the the high-end chalk at I think both positions, essentially. Of course, I've said I'm pivoting off Kamara to Henry, but I agree with you. It's not because Kamara is a bad play. I just think Henry is like a slightly better play as ownership. I feel the same way about receivers. Devontae Adams, I, we've already talked about Devontae Adams. Calvin Ridley in the same vein. I think maybe my only one qualm is that Justin Jefferson at 17% owned. We haven't projected to be three times as owned as Adam Thielen. And I think his role is better. I think at this point we can say for sure that he's going to get a similar, if not higher amount of targets at a deeper ADOT. That just means overall better like fantasy projection. But is it like three times more likely that, you know, he outscores at the same price, Adam Thielen? I don't think so. So I think maybe that's my one issue with the top five ownership is I think Jefferson versus Thielen should not be as great of a split as it is. It should be a split. Jefferson does deserve to be more popular, but not this much more popular. I think Thielen is a really good leverage play off of him. I do agree with that. Anytime we can really get a receiver in that situation, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, uh, Julio jo- when Julio Jones is active, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, anytime we get one of those receivers coming in significantly lower owned, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, those situations, I always try to take the lower owned player just because while people react to recency bias, the opportunity is really not that different. And in this situation, I think you laid out a very strong case for that. As far as some other pivot plays at the wide receiver position, I think it do a couple of them do make a lot of sense. And speaking of one of these situations, one I'm particularly fond of is the Tampa Bay wide receivers. After we saw Tom Brady just go absolutely nuclear last week, Mike Evans, of course, is the two scores, and he looks to be the wide receiver one at this point. This is a situation where I think we can do just that and take a look at someone like Chris Godwin on FanDuel. He's 1.9% owned right now as far as our ownership projections. Someone that still has the lead in target share in healthy games this year on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's tied to a quarterback playing very good football right now. So Chris Godwin is someone I have a lot of interest in. Also one of the more competitive games between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Who do you have your eye on as far as contrarian plays? Well, I don't have my eye on him because I can't find him. All right, there he is. Super low on it. It's always hard to find because I'm just like scrolling. I'm like, is he really going to be less than five? Okay, is he less than three? Richie James, I think at 4,600 is just like a simple price versus opportunity play. They have no number one receiver, no number two receiver. And Kendrick Bourne outside of, I think he has like a Hail Mary catch on the season, is not going to be this team's like downfield big play threat. 
if we see eight targets from like Richie James, that is like, yeah, we haven't projected the same ownership as someone like Hunter Renfro. Obviously he's going to be projected as the same ownership as a lot of bad plays, but like he's just as live to see eight targets as like Hunter Renfro. I'll move up DJ Chark. I'll move up Tim, Tim Patrick, honestly, like AJ Brown. Cause the dude never sees targets Marquise Brown. Cause his team doesn't, you know, the, he's basically Marquise Brown, but on a team that's going to throw the football more. So his ownership versus his price just seems ludicrous. Like if he was 5,400 at this ownership, I'd be like, yeah, sure. He's not a ton different than like Chad Hansen or whatever at 5,200, but he's 4,600. They, they don't make receivers this cheap on FanDuel. I thought, and he actually should have a prominent role as a like multi-targeted downfield facet of this offense. Yeah, I like that quite a bit as well. I, I honestly think there's so many ways you can approach the wide receiver position this week. I'm certainly going to be looking to stack at all costs, especially given the 15-game the slate we have and a number of teams being somewhat limited, I, I guess is one way I would put it. Someone that's come up a lot in chat is, is Stefan Diggs. Obviously, Stefan Diggs coming off an enormous game. Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in most major receiving categories, of course, Devonta Adams limited for a stretch towards the start of the year. But with Stefan Diggs, we also have the concerns we had with Josh Allen. Like what if Diggs comes out at halftime? What if we don't see Diggs in the second half? What if we don't see him even in just the third quarter? What if he leaves in the third quarter? How are you approaching someone like Stefan Diggs? Yeah, I think I'm struggling with Diggs. I think it is a great spot to get lowered ownership on him, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get an egregiously low owned Stefan Diggs. Like if he came in and we were, the field was gravely concerned that he wasn't playing and he was going to be 4% owned. I'd be like, of course, I'm going to jam in Stefan Diggs. He could get there in three quarters. They could play the fourth quarter. We're not getting super low owned Stefan Diggs. We're not getting super low owned, uh, Josh Allen. So I think they're okay. I still think there's maybe some room for an edge here. I, I have one question for you because I've been going back and forth on this. Do you think we'll just say Josh Allen, but this kind of this argument extends to Stefan Diggs as well. Do you think Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, whatever, will be more owned in a $1 single entry or a $50 single entry? $1. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking about that backwards. I, I think so too. So actually in my higher entry contest, I, I think sharp players are going to be more like reticent to write these bills off because like like bad bad players players who are playing in the low you know the low contest the big like flyer type stuff one dollar win ten thousand dollars or whatever are just not going to be aware of the bill situation where sharp players will be so i actually think if you're playing in like higher stakes contest like the simple Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, maybe even throwing a Gabriel Davis and then chalk elsewhere makes more sense because I think the, the quote, higher stakes player is just anything that is going to get you some of like, you know, $50 contest is going to draw in a decent amount of the good players quote. I think they will be much less likely to own someone with that kind of risk. I think that's maybe where you target them. That, I mean, that's where I'm targeting this week because I think, yeah, worse players, and of course this is all relative, are just not going to be aware of the situation where sharp players will be. I think it's the sort of the leveling with the field thing. Oh, well, I think he's a good play. You think he's a good play, but you're concerned with the risk. I'm going to be not concerned with the risk because the reward is so high, but I'm only doing that because I know that you know that. <laughs> you're playing you're playing the mind games of DFS, and I love it. And this is a very important week for it, more important than basically any other week this year. We didn't have preseason, so this is one of the real uncertainty weeks. And those of you that are paying attention to the inactives, paying attention to all the news coming out this week, you should have an information advantage for one of the first times all season. And as we go into the tight end position, I think there's a little bit less to talk about here. 
it doesn't seem like there's as many studs outside of Travis Kelsey that aren't going to play this week. We have Darren Waller. He should be playing a normal role. He comes in with pretty high ownership, 14%. But George Kittle's return has limited this ownership at least a little bit. Kittle comes in at 10% himself. So we finally have two two receiving tight ends on the main slate that have similar upside. It's not like Travis Kelsey by himself where we have to debate, to debate Travis Kelsey versus a punt tight end. We actually have a choice to make between Kittle and Darren Waller. Do you have a lean between these two? So our projections actually have Kittle as just scoring straight up more points than Darren Waller. So given that and they're cheaper owner, and he's cheaper and their ownership is different. I like, honestly, I think this is a spot where if we, I think it like, this is another high stakes, low stakes thing. I think at high stakes, people are going to see that uh, if you're playing in a $1 contest though, I would literally just X out Darren Waller and say, I'm never playing Darren Waller over George Kittle. If their ownership ends up being this way, if I pull up, you know, if I pull up these projections on Sunday morning and we have 25% Kittle and 5% Waller, I'm going the other way. But as of right now, a cheaper and projected for more points, George Kittle at lower ownership is just, it's no brainer. I 100% agree. And this is something the DFS platforms haven't done a good job of adjusting right now. George Kittle is just flat out too cheap. He was not limited last week, like led the team in receiving yards. The dude is just a warrior. He doesn't care if San Francisco is out of the playoff race. George Kittle is playing hard through week 17, which is something I think we can look at with confidence here on FanDuel. The only concern is you still do have to pay a decent amount for him. 6,800. I, I would also point out that on FanDuel, you just don't have as many viable punt options with the pricing structure. It's something we talk about on a week-to-week basis. I'm more likely to just punt off the position on DraftKings because you save more salary respectively. On FanDuel, some of the punt tight ends or at least players I would consider punt tight ends like John U. Smith even is 5,300. I only have to pay 1.5K more to get George Kittle. So that is typically what I'm going to do. If I'm not playing George Kittle, typically it'll be because I'm correlating the tight end position with my signal caller, which is really how I start accessing some of these punt plays. And with that, I'll turn it over to you, Kyle. Who are some of the tight ends that you're willing to take a look at in correlations? In correlations, I think running, even if you're not running quarterback, I think there are multiple ways to go with a double Minnesota stack or, you know, double Minnesota players that don't even feature quarterback. We've seen this, I mean, with the Vikings themselves, where Dalvin Cook has a multi-touchdown game and Adam Thielen has a multi-touchdown game. Justin Jefferson on yards and a touchdown. I think like a, a Madison Herb Smith is really good leverage off of both of the receivers. And all it takes is a touchdown from Herb Smith. I think it's less viable because of the pricing structure. Like I'm typically going to be looking to just pay the 1200 more to get up to Kittle. But if I'm not playing Kittle, I do think someone like Irv Smith, who has like an incredible touchdown equity relative to like, like Evan Ingram is not scoring a touchdown this week. Of course I say that now he will, but like Evan Ingram's team is hardly projected to score any points. Like I don't think they're going to be scoring touchdowns. Ricky seals Jones. I don't even know if he'll be the starter and we haven't projected for like 1% ownership. It could be Nick Kaiser or whatever. So I think there are probably decent ways to capture touchdowns. Even like, Dawson Knox at 4,700, if his team goes out and plays three quarters, that's like getting into actual viable punt range. Like 56, is, I'd hardly even call that a punt on FanDuel. At 47, Dawson Knox, he was still the leading route runner for the team last week at tight end by a pretty significant margin. I think someone like him or Irv Smith who just have touchdown potential, which I think other punt tight ends don't, are probably the best way I would approach it if I'm not playing Kittle. Yeah, I, I do think that makes a lot of sense. There's one player I'm surprised you didn't mention, Kyle, who... Uh, I have some ownership or at least some interest in as far as an ownership play is essentially unowned. He definitely fits this low on bill. Tell me about the former XFL superstar that you love so much. 
Yeah. So if he ends up not playing, I'm going to be really upset because he is one of on both sides. Like you typically like, let's look at uh, 4,200 tight ends, Donald Parham in the same price range as Will Disley committee tight end. I don't even know if he's going to get the bulk of the snaps at tight end. Ian Thomas, I think has one touchdown all year and still has no games over 10 points. Donald Parham led his team last week or led his team's tight ends last week and routes run. It was nearly three times as many as Steven Anderson. He played on over 80% of the snaps. He's clearly the starting tight end. I think Steven Anderson for a large part was just a mirage. When you don't run a ton of routes, you should not get a ton of targets. When you do run a lot of routes, as long as you know, you're not playing, you know, Curtis Samuel isn't going to get a ton of targets because he has two stud receivers. There are not stud receivers on this team anymore because Keenan Allen isn't going to be playing. Donald Parham could be an integral part of this passing attack as he was in terms of routes last week and snaps last week. So at 4,200, I have some interest in Justin Herbert. And by extension, I have some interest in Donald Parham. Like who's, who's playing JP Holtz. I literally don't even know who JP Holtz plays for Eric Tomlinson for, for Baltimore is a guard. Like he's like, like he's he plays right guard. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Greg Olson, I I thought he was dead. Like Jesse James, maybe I didn't even know what team Jesse James was on. Donald Parham's a starting tight end on a good passing attack at a price and ownership of like terrible plays. You don't remember JP Holtz, Kyle? The only reason I actually think I remember him is whatever, I think it was like a Thanksgiving slate where Last they year. had, was it the Thanksgiving slate? Yeah. They Chicago were down Bears. Yeah, they were down all four tight ends. And so was he the one who was like a college uh, uh baseball player or something i don't know anything about that that the only reason i know his name is because of that dumb thanksgiving slate where chicago was down to like their eighth strength tight end yeah and then they decided to keep them all around for this year while drafting one with their first pick but i'm not a salty chicago bears fan but, but as we we leave the tight end position we like to close this out with top stacks but before we do so there's over 100 of you watching thank you guys so much for being here hit the thumbs up button subscribe to the channel that's the best way to support kyle myself the entire awesome team and we are approaching 50K subscribers fast. So, And if you've already done that, thank you guys so much. It does mean a lot to us. And you teased the top stack tool a little bit at the top. There are a number of teams that do have very high top stack probability. Of course, without the Chiefs, there's no one team that really stands out above the pack. Right now, Buffalo is projected to have the highest chance of being the top stack. Remember, there is a lot of volatility with week 17 top stacks. And Buffalo in particular does bring, I think, some of the most volatility volatility out of any other team. A few that I'm a little more interested in than maybe the projections indicate are Green Bay and Atlanta. We labored those a lot at the beginning, so I won't hit on them too much now. But is there a top stack that you're particularly fond of? Yeah, I do think um, as much as I think this Buffalo stack is interesting, I think I'm mostly going to end up saving it for contests where I think I'm going to face stronger opponents, essentially, because I do believe in just in terms of the overall risk profile, sharper players are going to be rightfully fading them. I think maybe overfading them given their overall ceiling, but just looking at the top stack tool, them and Green Bay have essentially the same. It's 10 and a half versus 11% chance of leaving the, the slate in scoring. But Green Bay is going to be half as owned at very similar prices. I guess, you know, you get a slight discount going down to digs. But I do think in your just general large field, low entry tournaments, you don't gain much by playing Buffalo as much as you gain by playing, you know, a Green Bay stack. So I do think I have to kind of peel back from my Buffalo ownership for the most part and, and probably pivot to Green Bay. Atlanta is very similar in top stack probability to those teams and it's coming in super low owned. Like, I think they're the perfect pivot off of like a Deshaun Watson stack, like just play the the bread and butter Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, and you've got yourself a unique build. 
I think so too. There, there's even a couple other ones that aren't coming in with as high of a likelihood of being the top sack. But again, it's a very volatile week. So like Tampa Bay, they are on this list with some leverage. Tennessee has the slightest bit of leverage. And this is a particular sack that I will have some interest in just because of Tennessee's enormous implied total against Houston. And it seems that everybody is thinking this is going to be Derrick Henry running all over Houston. But what if it's not? What, what if it's Ryan Tannehill? What I can't imagine such a Brown? thing. That's it's never happened before, as far as I know. Definitely didn't happen two weeks ago versus the Lions. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. with the low ownership on Tannehill, AJ Brown, Corey Davis. I mean, your boy. Oh. I think this is a very viable stack to go back to, and does have a lot of, of leverage. Maybe it's with. I think for good reason they're not projected to be the top stack on the slate and they shouldn't be, but this is more of a contrarian play. Like you were just accessing this really good game environment by playing Ryan Tannehill, Corey Davis and AJ Brown. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I mean, I I'm joking about it. Cause we literally saw this happen two weeks ago. It was the exact same, the exact same spot where they're facing a terrible run defense, high implied team total. It's supposed to be a blowout. That is the perfect spot for Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill runs two in, throws a touchdown to one of the receivers, throws one to Darrington Evans, is like one of the two or three highest scoring quarterbacks on the slate and kills all the Derrick Henry lineups, which also did fine because he scored like 25 or more points. But at his price, you need so much from him. And I think he's live to get that this week. That's why I think he's a good pivot off of Kamara. But the double pivot, you can just play the rest of the chalk in this kind of lineup, is to fade both of them and go with a Tannehill because we know his touchdown propensity is still very high. And touchdowns are so volatile that if he steals them from Henry, you are just reaping in the rewards of that. So I really like that stack. I think that is anytime you get modest to high-owned Henry with low-owned Ryan Tannehill, that is a pivot I will always have some exposure to, even if I still have exposure to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I agree 100%. And he's coming in this entire stack with 4% ownership. So, I mean, it's not like you have to play a ton of Ryan Tannehill to be over the field. A couple lineups here and there, and you'll more than do the trick, particularly if you're playing a lot of Tennessee. You could come in overweight on both Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill stacks, and I still think you feel pretty confident in it. Any other low stacks you want to highlight before we we get out of here today, Kyle? Yeah, I talked about it briefly, but Chargers are just a team that falls in that mid-range of, of top stack probability, you know, below 5%, but right around that like 3% range, about 35 3.2%, but no one seems to be playing them. They are of teams over like over 1.4%, the lowest owned. Like, are you really playing... Detroit stacks, Denver stacks. People are playing Denver stacks over the Chargers. Like, come on, that's Chargers are too low owned. They're a team that you very, very modestly sprinkle in just some Donald Palmer, Mike Williams, plus Justin Herbert stacks. But you need nothing to get over the field, and like you're choosing that over over Drew Lock. Always choose that over Drew Lock. Come on, I agree 100 on that. I'm not playing Drew Lock outside of the most contrarian lineups, but. Thank you guys all for being here. That'll do it for Kyle and myself. This was the final week 17 edition of the FanDuel Strategy Show. So if you've been with us from the start, you picked us up along the way. Thank you very much for all of your support throughout the season. It means a lot. Kyle, any last words for the audience? No, good luck, everyone, this week. This should be, I always find week 17 as the information edge being that similar preseason vibe. One of my favorite slates to play on. I think there's so much leverage to be had when people just don't understand the landscape. So hope you enjoyed. Good luck. And thanks for tuning in all season, just this week, whatever you did. We were glad to have you with us. Yeah, it's been amazing. And don't go anywhere. Tonight, we have the NBA Deep Dive Show at 5.30 Eastern Time. We have NBA Live Before Lock at 6.30 Eastern Time. And of course, for you NFL fans, we will have you covered 
all the way through the Super Bowl, all throughout the playoffs, talking all sorts of football. Just because it's week 17 doesn't mean NFL is going away. We will be here with you. Of course, I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you guys for a great season and good luck in week 17. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.